Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Hey everyone, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm very excited to have Kyle Gray on the show with us today. Kyle's a buddy of mine. We go, I would say, way back, at least in the internet space a little bit. And interestingly enough, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit, met him on a random island in Thailand a few years back. Um, when we were both working with uh, the same person on different projects, funny enough. And today we're going to be talking about kind of what he's doing today, which is all around content marketing strategy and content marketing itself. Not necessarily on, say, the writing piece, but how do you actually develop like the strategy around the content you, that you produce? And I preface that by saying, I think content's the reason I've been able to build up my list to you know, over 10,000 uh, subscribers. So on my email list and then have you know, consistently thousands of people coming to my website. Um, month after month, which is you know crazy to think about when I started from scratch. And to be honest, I didn't really have a strategy when I first started. Literally none. It was just I I just wanted I wanted to write and get over my fear of writing. And that was it. That was the the thing. And then once I started to get over that and saw that people were like noticing my content and sharing it, I realized okay maybe there's something here. There's some some value here. And yeah, that's led to lots of profit down the road, directly and indirectly. So. The idea here being is if you are running any kind of online business or if you have an offline business, but you have an online platform of some sort that's doing like lead generation for you, whatever it is. So this is really applicable to digital product creators, but it's also applicable to service providers. How do you create content that's actually going to build and grow your business? So Kyle, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me on, Tom. It's a big honor. Yeah. So take me back a little bit before we dive into the content marketing strategy. Give us a little bit of your background, kind of the short and sweet of it and what led you to what you're doing today. Yeah, so I've been all over the place in kind of my entrepreneurial career. I started doing conversion rate optimization. It was one of the first businesses that I set up, and I loved just the art and the science of it. Conversion rate optimization is just looking at a web page and its design and its messaging and seeing if you can tweak little elements of it and then splitting version A and version B and comparing the differences between how people respond and act on those. And I I started doing that a little bit and I found my way to chatting with a bunch of entrepreneurs through a university program I was teaching at the time called The Foundry. And this was just a peer-to-peer program of a bunch of uh, university students who were all trying to figure out their own businesses. And I was just guiding them through this process. And um, I would get on different calls with different entrepreneurs each week and share those calls with the, uh, the students. One of the people I came across, his name was Dan Norris. Just like kind of what you were just saying recently about building up a big list, just this simple podcast created a few really good relationships and, and had a few good conversations. You know, a few months later, I saw that Dan was looking for a content marketing manager. And though I hadn't, I hadn't done a lot of written content in, in blogs before, I thought that this was a super exciting job. Um, I had just talked to Dan and, and um, he was putting together a great book. And so I remember just seeing the email go out 
about that opportunity. I dropped everything I was doing, typing away frantically this email of like, I'm so excited. Let's, you know, let's make this happen. Sure enough, a few months later, I was on a plane to uh, Thailand to meet Dan Norris and uh, start working with WP Curve. And so my job there, Dan had been uh, creating content for over maybe five to seven years at the time. Um, and he had written a lot about marketing, a lot about startups, a lot of different things. But his business was, was becoming really, really successful and growing really fast. And as your business grows and grows, as, as a lot of people know, um, you start to get more and more busy. And the process of writing and the process of creating great content is really demanding. Um, you can be a really good writer, but it's still going to be hard to show up and face a blank page you know, no matter, no matter how talented you are. And so uh, Dan was, Dan wanted to bring on some help creating this content for him and telling his brand's story in a way that was still true to him, to the brand he had created through his blog, but not have him doing uh, a lot of the legwork. And so I started out by working with a few guest writers, writing posts myself, and um, trying to manage all of these things. And I quickly learned how, you know, how difficult and challenging it all can be. Trying to send a, a post back and forth remotely and saying, okay, this part's no good, that part's no good, you know, slows things down. And when you have ambitious goals to publish two pieces of content or three pieces of long form 2000 word plus content in a week, this back and forth can kind of take a lot of time and slow you down. It was very, very challenging at first, and I feel like I almost burned out kind of early on. But um, in those burnout moments, you you find those insights. And um, from that point on, I decided to really work hard on the processes and the, the kind of the guidelines and, and uh, checklists that we were developing instead of trying to work so hard on correcting every post and um, trying to force things to work through my own effort. And so this changed things from if I ever got feedback from Dan or if I ever gave a writer that I was working with feedback, I would go back to our style guide and I would put it into our style guide. And I also kind of, we, we had a content strategy as well, but it was a little bit underdeveloped. Dan, like you, the, he's super brilliant at what he was doing and he knew his audience and had this kind of like natural sense of where the blog was going just as a result of doing content marketing for five, seven plus years. But the actual written strategy didn't, didn't quite capture this, this uh, vision that, that Dan had. So I went back to the strategy and really started writing it down in a way that I could have this document, you know, these two documents that I could share with writers saying, here's our content strategy. This is the big picture of what we're trying to achieve here. This is the brand and the message that we want to communicate. This is the feeling and experience that we want people to have when they show up on our site. And then here's the style guide. And these are the specific guidelines to what we're looking for. What are our headers going to look like? What do the images look like? How big are they? How many keywords do we have in a post? How long is a post? And the relationship and the dynamic started to change. And we were, I was able to, to hit the goals of producing enough content each week and each month that, that we had set. And um, working with writers went from this herding cats crazy process to um, something that was, that was relatively 
predictable and easy to work with and very, very highly manageable. And it was all because of these processes that I, I was developing. Yeah. And that was something uh, that WP Curve thrived on as a uh, uh, managing a group of 40, 40 developers at the time I was there. It's probably, uh, it probably got much bigger. But uh, 40 developers of people around the world working all hours of the day, um, trying to provide a 24-7 service. Um, this company was totally thrived on just creating good documented processes so that everybody yeah. could follow the same instructions. And I yep. think that's probably the most valuable skill I came away with. Yeah. So, so let's break it down. And again, I, I like the, the Dan Norris story. I think it's a great one. I think he's, you know, one of, one of the better, if not one of the best like content creators out there for sure. So being able to kind of get inside his brain and then develop a, and, and systematize like his way of thinking and creating content and like, is, which in content is just, you know, it's putting ideas and, into words and into making ideas transferable, really, when you really think about it. But let's, let's not go into the theory behind content. Let's talk a little bit about strategy and kind of where we start with that. So like, here's the deal. Probably the average person I would say is like, oh yeah, blogging, I should, I should blog. Like, I mean, everybody probably thinks that at one time, but they're thinking about doing something online or even like maybe podcasting, like I should start a podcast or like YouTube or I should start a YouTube channel, whatever it is. And that's where it begins. And then they just kind of start going. And let's assume that, that the person has been doing this for a while. Maybe they're getting traction, maybe they're not. I guess what I'm curious about is how do we approach something, probably somebody who is maybe established to some degree as in has been writing or creating content a lot. Cause I get this question a lot from people who, who have stagnated and they're like, Oh, I have a blog, but I'm not really getting traffic or blah, blah, blah. So walk me through it. How do we approach that? I have a blog, I have a website or I have whatever. I want to produce content in some way, shape or form. How do I approach that to actually say, well, here's my, here's my actual strategy. This is how I should approach it. These are the, this is the content I should create. And this is going to grow my business because of X, Y, Z. So like, just walk us through that process. So I think that's a great question. And, and first, I would, I would set the frame or set the stage in a way that people understand the purpose of content marketing. Usually people have one or two are kind of this mixed impression of content marketing where half of the people kind of see it as almost this artistic kind of thing where, you know, they, they create when they feel inspired to create, you know, that they, they have this kind of, uh, you know, Ernest Hemingway kind of feel to them where they're, they're being artistic and creative when they're writing something or, or doing what they're doing. And I think that's great. But if you're doing content marketing consistently and you, you have a strategy, um, there's going to be days where you show up and you're not feeling it but you've got you've to push through. And then another kind of common confusion around content marketing, and it's very understandable that, that people see things this way, but it falls under the umbrella of digital marketing. And digital marketers use a lot of very specific terms that, that conjure very specific ideas. For example, like with a Facebook ad, you know, you create an engaging headline, some engaging copy, a call to action, and somebody clicks and you get a click-through rate and you get conversion rates. And those are all very important and powerful tools to use. But a lot of people see the same, they see these same words and terminologies that I just used to describe the process of a Facebook ad, and they apply it to content. And though I think that content should drive customers, it should attract people to your business. 
I think that you need to understand the bigger picture and the bigger value of content. There's a lot of things that content can deliver that you're not going to be able to measure with your Facebook pixel or in Google Analytics, such as developing relationships with thought leaders in your niche. Just working together with somebody you know, creating a great piece of content can build a relationship and, and generate new opportunities that you didn't have before. You know, if you're only looking at conversions, you may miss out on some of the value of a highly engaged audience that isn't necessarily your customer or may never become a customer, but is sharing your content, is referring people to you organically. And again, maybe not, maybe not with an affiliate link, maybe not in any trackable way, but as soon as somebody mentions a problem that you solve, they mention you because you're they're following your blog all the time. Yep. And so kind of understanding the bigger and broader world where it's, I think it should be artistic. It should be authentic. It should be an extension of you, but, but you've got to, you've got to go beyond, you know, just this kind of creative sense of it. And you should also, you should incorporate a digital marketing philosophies, but you shouldn't just see content marketing or a blog post that you create as a landing page. So starting from there um, and understanding kind of the, the landscape you're working with, the first thing that I would do is develop a mission for your content. And this doesn't have to be any more than two or three sentences. You should imagine whoever you want to impact, your, your target customer or your target reader, and try to visualize what they're like right now before they start reading your content or listening to your content or consuming your content, however it is made. And then what do they look like after they've been using your content? How are they better? How are they, how are they happier? What problems have been solved? And then kind of describing what your mission is. And a mission should be something also that, that stands apart from your actual business in some ways. Your blog should, should serve a purpose all of its own. And creating this mission, something that, that resonates with you and resonates with the people you're working with, will create this foundation for content. It will drive you and motivate you more, understanding your mission and your purpose. It'll create something bigger than yourself, and that will allow you to get through a lot of the, the days that it's just a slog. Can you give me some examples? Like what's, what are some like, what will be an effective mission versus an ineffective one? So I think a couple of good ones, you know, for example, Meryl Johnson with Bean Ninjas has a great content marketing campaign going right now. She works with, or she's a bookkeeping service, but her blog is, though it discusses bookkeeping, it also discusses kind of business growth in general. And so if somebody's doing bookkeeping with them and uh, making, making a lot of the decisions of, you know, I need somebody to help me with my books. Do I hire an accountant? Do I hire a company to work with me? Or do I get some kind of software? They face that problem, not just with bookkeeping, but with most areas of their business. So how do you make good decisions with your growing business? How, do you solve, how can you figure out a good framework for solving these problems and growing your business in a way that is sustainable for you and uh, sustainable for the business in the long run. And so sometimes, you know, software is the best solution. Sometimes making a new hire is the best solution. And so she works on that. 
Another thing, the WP Curve blog was all about helping business owners market their business better and grow their business better. But a big difference, um, WP Curve was a WordPress support site. So if people would sign up and get unlimited WordPress development help for a small monthly fee. But what we were talking about was about content marketing, was about managing remote teams, was about, you know, we were telling the story of the problems that we were solving in our own business, in our own startup. And we, we came to that mission because we understood the, the customer to the point that we knew if somebody was willing to pay for WordPress development and support, then they probably had a business they wanted to work on. They were a bootstrapper and they wanted to grow their business quickly and keep their heads or their overhead costs low. And they were looking for lots of other similar solutions. Content marketing fits in that, yeah. that niche pretty well. So and, if I were to like, if I were to backward engineer this a little bit, I would say that because both of those, you give an example, it's, uh, you know, we do, we do X, which, which helps a person with problem Y. So what other, this person who has problem Y, like what are, what are some other challenges that they have? And yeah. if we can help solve their, those, then that'll lead them to us on this, this topic. So otherwise, like I think the, the natural, does that make sense actually kind of that deconstruction a little bit there? Yeah. Yeah. That gets to, that gets to the bigger point, but um, you should also just be able to have a mission um, that you can sum up in a couple of lines. We help entrepreneurs bring their message to the world. We help people become the best speakers, you know, around something really simple like that, uh, that you can, you can sum up in a, in a tiny little elevator speech and something that's super clear to you and really the, the why behind it. Okay. So that makes sense to me. And, and I guess the reason I bring that up is because I feel like, you know, I, you see the struggle, I think a lot with content creators or, or especially people who think they have like a dull business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was having a conversation this last week with somebody like that who was like, oh, what I do is really boring. And so I was like, well, you know, it was like a credit card processing. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, maybe I guess that's boring. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, who knows, right? But, but it's like, well, what, what could somebody who needs credit card processing, like a certain level of business is doing certain millions of dollars, like what are the challenges that they have? Maybe the problem is reducing overhead, you know, finding ways to to get more money from the money you're already making, you know? Because if you think about it, if somebody comes to, to a blog or a website where it's like, okay, if, you know, focused on multi-million dollar businesses, we'll save maybe two to 10 million. And it's how, how can you like squeeze out an extra hundred grand a year from your business just by making some calls or, or shifting some, like making very small changes, very small tweaks. Then they find out, oh, well, this payment processor can actually help me save money. Does that make sense? Is that, does, would that be like, yeah, you got it. Like that's like an indirect way and an indirect approach to do this kind of thing? Or, or, or is there more, or, is it, or do I need to think more deeply about this? So I think that tactically that's right on. Yeah. But I think that you're right. There does need to be kind of a deeper, a deeper connection. Like, you know, there's a reason that that entrepreneur chose to do credit card processing. They have some kind of story, some kind of background, some kind of why. And I would encourage you know to to bring out the why a little bit more and to and to make it kind of a a higher level aspirational thing too. Oh, interesting. Um, and so bringing that in and saying you know I want you know people to be able to save a little bit more money on their businesses because I had a great startup for a while and it drove me crazy and I worked eighteen hour days six days mm. a week and I burned out and I couldn't hang out with my family. So, mm. so I knew that if I could cut out a hundred grand 
of overhead costs from my business that I wouldn't have to work so hard all the time. I could hire some new people and then I could hang out with my kids more. And so that's kind of the, the why they're doing it. Let I want to do a quick them. pause there, Kyle, cause that's really good. And I feel like I'm probably the kind of person who does overlook those kind of things, even though I recognize the power of story, but I'm like a very tactical type person anyway. And I, I, you know, immediately project that other people are too. And it's like, okay, yeah, I see the value. Like this is going to be it. But I do see like everybody does these kind of story things. And I'm always like very hesitant to tie my own story into things for whatever number of reasons. But basically what you're saying to me is, yeah, you can, even if you can identify like a great way to like create content that's going to be super valuable, you still want to tie in some sort of personal story, personal motivation behind it. Exactly. I mean, because of this, again, your mission and your strategy, it creates something bigger than yourself. And if you see this problem, you know, you, the story that you have in your own life is very important and personal to you. But you can definitely imagine that if you've had a problem, there's hundreds, if not thousands of other people that have had that same problem. And, you know, this gives something people can resonate with. If you have a good mission that people can quickly understand and resonate with and have this kind of story-driven element into it, people connect with it. This will help if you've got a, a bigger business with a larger team. Your team members can, can see this and feel, and feel this and be more engaged in the content marketing. Got it. So, uh, so it, and it sounds like, so I think that like if I were to summarize that point, without watering it down too much, but I think people you know, should be able to take the rest of it from that. But it's, you, it needs to be aspirational. The mission has to be aspirational. There has to be something that it's going to improve my life, but also like tie back to, to the, the content creator to some degree or the company itself. Um, yeah. and, and there has to be some sort of aspiration behind or the content has to be aspirational and, and it has to be something that, you know, that the content creators are inspired by or that at least presumably are inspired by because that's actually going to help hook people and get them more invested, more involved. Is that, is that about right? That's exactly right. And it'll help hook you. It'll help keep yeah. you going and you encouraged through yeah. the ups and the downs of this process. Cool. But, so, so we have the mission. I'm curious to talk about, unless there's anything else you want to cover on that before we move on, like what, where, what do we do next? So we've, we've touched on this a little bit, but I think then um, once we have the bigger mission, identifying core problems that you want to solve in your content. Now, again, if we go back to this artist archetype of somebody who's starting content marketing, um, they usually just have a random inspiration idea, you know, come to them while they're walking down the street and they're like, oh, I've got to run back to my computer and start typing. Or they want to solve, you know, they write a blog post that solves one problem and then they figure out a new problem and they reinvent the wheel for every blog post they create solving one problem, one problem, one problem. And that's good, but usually that, that means that there's not a lot of continuity between the blog posts and it just takes a lot of effort. You have to start from zero with every post. But if you can, before you start creating content, identify a couple of core problems that you want to target. And we'll, we'll get into what a core problem means soon. But you identify a couple of these problems, then you are able to do a lot of the heavy lifting upfront for many different blog posts that you can create in the future and really make your process a lot easier and more streamlined. And so if you understand a, a certain problem, a problem that's specific enough that you could say, I discussed this problem on my blog to a potential customer or a potential reader, and they would immediately recognize the problem and they would immediately 
you know, have an emotional gut level reaction to, I know exactly what you're talking about with that problem, but also broad enough that you can write content nearly endlessly about this problem. So there's an interesting balance to keep there. And also, um, and can, could you give us maybe a couple examples of, again, kind of bringing it down to earth for us, even yeah. if you want to leverage some of the other examples that you and tie them into it, but like, give me some examples of what that, that would look like. So for a, a company I'm currently working with called Advance Your Reach, whose mission is to help people bring their message to the world um, by getting on different stages at different conferences, we've targeted three core problems. One of them is story, how to use storytelling in your business, how to tell your story online, how, how your story can impact your talk on your stage. So it's all about the power of storytelling. The second one is stage. How do you reach out to meeting planners? How do you research different uh, stages, conferences, events in your hometown, in places you want to visit? And what are some ways that you can be prepared for a better stage? For a certain event, would you want to take maybe just a, a breakout session over a keynote? And so addressing those different problems and then scale. How do you set up your business in a way that can grow from the work you're doing on stages effectively? Because you don't want to just be focused on getting paid to speak. Because that's kind of a, uh, you know, you could get paid $2,000 to speak at a conference and that would be a big win. But you want, to have a, you want to have your system set up so that you could speak for free and make 20 grand off the back end because you know that you have a digital product that you can sell that would be perfect to the people you're speaking to. And so each of these core problems kind of fits within something that the audience needs. They're distinct from each other. But this also gives us the uh, ability to, so I know about storytelling, so I can research a lot of different keywords about storytelling. I can look up different influencers, different thought leaders about storytelling, and I can look at different influencers and thought leaders about how to get on stages and about who's good at developing systems for your business, digital products, product launches, things like that for scale. And so each of these core problems are distinct, but um, they all intertwine and, and help fulfill the grand mission. Does that make sense? That was really good, and but uh, my my head was spinning a little bit, just trying to cl- connect the dots a little bit. So their their mission statement is is what again, or it, the ish? If you don't know it specifically, they want to be the best blog and the best service and just company in the world to help people get on stages, share their message, and grow their business through that. Gotcha. Okay, and and so yeah, so those are. The, I mean that that also hits on the the core problems there. And what they can kind of write about. So again, another problem where I've had, and I, I think I, I see this in other places, or maybe maybe it's just a personal problem. Who knows? Um, is getting too much into like I don't know if it's niching down too much, or or getting like say this is the specific problem I handle is like pricing or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. But really, that that's not pricing. Might be maybe one problem, but like even if my my website was about pricing, like chances are, you know, that's just uh, an element. Mm-hmm. So, so what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like I, I sometimes get, because I'm like, oh, this is a thing I'm really good at like solving and solve this like really particular area. I can speak to this really specific thing, but it's not. What about those people who, this question makes sense, kind of I go like go too narrow and I'll just say for myself, like if I'm going too narrow on something and it's like, wait a second, there might be something broader here. How, how should I re, re-envision this or re-engage this 
in such a way to kind of like maybe step, take a step back and realize, oh, no, there's a bigger, there's like a bigger problem. And this is just one of the subsets of it. So I should speak to this broader problem and then get specific with it because chances are the person with that unique problem or that individual problem has many problems that would yeah. be helpful for me to be able to solve if I, if I took a broader approach. So it is a careful balance between how broad the problem is and how narrow it can be. If it's too narrow, you can kind of run some thought experiments or actually uh, what a really good, a really good tool Dan Norris has has this tool as a free download in his book Content Machine, but it's a it's an idea generating framework. And so I'd recommend checking out Content Machine and checking out that that resource on contentmachine.com. And if you can run one of these ideas through uh, his idea generating framework and create like one subject pricing and then create 20 different ideas from it. Um, then you know you're kind of on to you're onto something good. If you really don't feel like you can create a lot of different ideas from it, then maybe you're too specific. And so what I would do if you're if you're feeling like, okay, this idea is a little bit too specific, but I think there's something good here, is take just a slight step back. So what's happening when we're picking the pricing for something? Usually that's happening when you're about to launch a new product or you're developing a product. And so pricing can be one discussion, one facet of the bigger discussion of product development. And I think just from there, you can feel a lot more comfortable in saying, oh yeah, product development. I can talk endlessly. Like I have so many different other ideas that can all fit within this and pricing is a very nice piece of it. But you know, if somebody's interested in pricing under the product development umbrella, they're probably going to be interested in positioning or launching or, you know, maybe branding. And so working that all together would create a really nice product development. Yeah. So like to maybe deconstruct this one a little bit, it sounds like if I take a step, if I, if I'm not sure, I feel like, oh, this might, might be too narrow. One of the ways is to take a step back and, and maybe ask the question, like, like, why is this a problem? Because I think uh-huh. if it's why it might get you a broader, broader answer. So it's like pricing. Well, I, I, why that's a problem is because, you know, if a person you know, is is too cheap, they're not making enough money. So the business, they can't sustain themselves. They can't grow their business. Or if it's too high, they're not getting any sales. So Mm -hmm. maybe the why is, well, the the person wants to make a good living. They want to, they want to create a profitable business. Mm -hmm. So I guess that kind of helps broaden it by asking the why question. Exactly. Um, If you start too broad, maybe then I guess what what happens if you start too broad, like, oh, I help, I help people succeed. (laughs) Where Where do I go from that? You know what I mean? Yeah. What I would say to that is um, if you don't feel like you have something unique to say about the topic, you might be too broad. So if I help people succeed or if, again, you want to just test it out on some of your, if you, if you have your ideal customers um, or if you have some customers already, get on the phone with them and chat with them. But um, there should be, again, this is, a lot of this is kind of a, a gut level you should experience in your customer a gut level reaction of like, I totally have that problem. I totally know what it is. They should immediately understand and recognize the problem. You know, if you, if you don't have that, or if you don't get that reaction, then it's probably too broad. Interesting. You know, I guess, how, how do I approach that conversation? Like say I maybe get somebody in front of me who I think might be like, am I targeting us? Be like, yeah, Hey, so here's one of the problems I'm thinking about trying to solve with my business or with my blog or whatever. Yeah. X, Y, or Z. And I'm just looking for that honest feedback. Like, is that just literally that simple? I think so. 
you know, it depends. I would, I would definitely get somebody who's, who knows you well and is excited about what you're doing has, has been delighted by, by your work previously. And if not, then, um, uh, I think it's, it's totally reasonable. I feel like, for example, Alex Turnbull, uh, when he was kind of coming up with this startup journey blog for, uh, Groove HQ, which is one of the most, it's one of my favorite blogs, very incredible content on there. Um, but he called up everybody he knew and was like, Hey, what are you guys doing with content marketing? You know, what can I do about this? And talk to a bunch of people and try to figure out who, who your target customer is going to be, who the person you want to reach is and start talking to them and asking them about their problems. You know, maybe, maybe don't lead with, Hey, I think this is a problem and I want to solve it, but try going to them and saying, Hey, what's really bugging you, you know, in your business right now? What have you searched in Google over the last couple of weeks? What blogs do you really enjoy following and why? And then starting there. But then, yeah, taking a couple of, of jabs at like, hey, I think that this is a problem that you're experiencing. And, you know, I want to I wanna discuss it in this way. What do you think of that? And you should start to see, you know, a little bit of, of sparkles in their eyes when if you're, if you're hitting on a problem that really resonates with them. Interesting. Okay, great. All right. Take us to the next part. So we, we identify our core problems. What, what happens next? So I think that a great place to start from there, once you have your core problems, what's good about these core problems is they're usually not directly related to the problem that your business solves. They're kind of parallel. Again, if, if person has problem A that we solve with our business, they probably have B, C, and D. And what's good about this is this opens up a lot of new opportunities to create and cultivate relationships with thought leaders. If you try to collaborate with somebody who solves problem A, the same problem that your business solves, then there's sometimes a little bit of tension between the two if you're direct competitors. But, you know, for in the case of WordPress or WP Curve, if I reached out to somebody about discussing content marketing, well, we are a WordPress development service and they are a blogger or, you know, have, have whatever other business, we can have a great conversation and collaborate and reach a mutual or an audience that would mutually benefit from what we're talking about without um, having that awkwardness of being direct competitors. So understanding these core problems opens up a lot of ways that you can start researching and looking for key relationships. And I think one of my favorite things about content marketing is developing relationships, is collaborating through your content, is making new friends, new contacts, new connections through what you're doing. And so what I would start doing is, is identifying people who talk about these core problems and seeing if there's any ways that you can work with them. One of the easiest ways to do this is simply you know, writing a blog post and then referencing other people's content, other people's podcasts, other people's videos in your blog content and making sure that the person that you're referencing looks like a rock star. One of, one of the things I like to do is uh, gather up some good quotes and finding some really good pictures of the person and making a nice kind of looking share, shareable social media meme. And that gets people excited about you know being featured in your content, even if you're not a very big brand and sharing, sharing you with their audience because you'll, you'll want to start generating traffic. And if you're just starting out, um, it's going to be really difficult to lock down really good keywords. It's going to be really difficult to get a lot of social media presence 
just on your own brand and on your own presence. But if you can start making connections and building relationships, then you can start leveraging other established brands and getting footholds in these, in these unique keywords that you want to target and that you want to develop. And in fact, understanding keywords and doing some good keyword research. I really like Moz Pro as a, as a tool for this, but you can get this in, in the, uh, the Google AdWords a tool or just by doing a normal search in Google. But if you just search a keyword and look in the, in the front or the front page of Google and see who's ranking for it, you know, sometimes it'll be Wikipedia, sometimes it'll be Forbes, but you'll often see some smaller businesses, smaller people who are ranking well for certain keywords. And that's a perfect place to start when like, who do I want to talk to to start promoting my business? Look for the keywords you want to target, find the people who are ranking for it, and then see if you can collaborate with them and work with them um, and add value to what they're doing while uh, building your own brand. So this is really good, but it's also a little bit esoteric, I think. And so I guess I'm curious, like bringing this, you know, down to earth and how we can implement, because I actually, I mean, to some degree, it's like actually super clear what you just said. And I, I think it is. But then there's also like the challenge of like, okay, how do I apply that to my situation? So do you start with the keywords or do you start with like looking at the competitors in the space or potential or, or not even competitors, but you know, however you want to define them, but other people in the space or a similar space and then say, if this is the space I want to be in, how do I, you know, backward plan or something like off of that and say, okay, this is, maybe this is the niche inside here that I should fit in. Like, is that an appropriate way to do it? Or does it, that kind of miss the point based on what you're saying? I don't think there's a specific starting point or a specific sequence. I think both are excellent strategies. You know, I feel like if you're opening up a business and getting into content marketing, it's very likely that you have at least some vague idea of the landscape and who you want to reach out to. And, you know, you can, you can start there, start with people who already know you, who already like you, and you can, you can leverage that a little bit um, without having to do all of this cold outreach up front. But then again, as, as you start to refine your strategy, as you start to identify core problems and the specific ways that people would search for solutions to those problems, then you can start, yeah, locking down or identifying different keywords, seeing who's ranking for them. Also, uh, a good way to check this out is to just look up some different conferences that are happening either in your area or around the country around a specific topic that you think is relevant to the business you're creating. Look who's speaking at, at these different conferences. A lot of the times you'll see different social media hashtags or collections related to these conferences as well. Look in and, and see who's chatting there and what they're up to and what they're doing. And you know, you'll, you'll want to, especially as an, in an earlier stage brand, you'll, you'll kind of want to try to find the smaller fish in the area, the people who you know, aren't getting hit up by thousands and thousands of people already. Like if I wanted to reach out to Ryan Dice from Digital Marketer, you know, I think I'd have a much more di- difficult time doing that than if I wanted to find you know, another marketer in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, for example. Interesting. Yeah, no, I like the conference idea. Actually, somebody told me I should, I should actually go to, you picked out like a few conferences, like you should go to these and run an event like before it, like a meetup or something like that or host a dinner. Because if you get in front of these people, they're your target audience. And I was like, that's, you know, a really interesting way to, to look at it. I never really thought about doing that directly. And yeah. And I think like, that's, I think that's part of the, again, the digital marketing fallacy. 
where we see content marketing and we think that everything's happening online. But if you're, and again, you can do this, you can do this research without actually attending conferences. But if you start going to different events and meeting people in person, all these opportunities are going to happen and you can develop these relationships in person that translate into online content. So yeah, definitely don't count yourself out of actual face-to-face relationship building as a strategy for your content. No, I love it. Well, that's fantastic. Is there anything else after this or did we just, do we hit the whole framework here? So that's the big, I think that's the really big picture for the content strategy, identifying your bigger mission, targeting some core problems that you want to solve over the long run, and then developing a good keyword strategy and a list of of relationships you want to develop Mm -hmm. via those core problems. I would say, you know, another big thing that's not quite related to the actual strategy, but is super important to the long-term success of content marketing is just developing a style guide. And that's just um, Mm -hmm. creating a step-by-step process for what happens from blank page to pushing published on a blog post. The more detailed you can be, the better. Even if you're just doing this by yourself right now, there's going to come a time where you are going to want to get some help. There's going to come a time where somebody reaches out to you and says, I want to write a guest article for you. How do I do that? If you can have a good style guide that covers a lot of, this is what the blog looks like. This is the branding. These are, again, what the header looks like. These are how many words we use, look and feel. Then you can make it so much easier to work with writers to scale up your content marketing and to really take a lot of... uh, a lot of work off of yourself just going back and forth with the people that you're working with to create this content. Yep. Uh, it's the, it was the biggest game changing time saver for me. And yeah, I can't, I can't recommend a good style ride enough. Awesome. Well, I want to leave that for that discussion for another day and maybe we'll have you back on. Yeah. And I would say in the interim, people should go check you out and check out your work and check out your book. So Kyle, where can people find you? So I am just releasing are just about to release at the time of this recording, a book called The Story Engine. And this is my process of what I do when I work with somebody through content marketing. It's all about setting up a good content strategy so that you can have long success, setting up a good style guide, and and just the whole big picture of kind of what happens behind the scenes of a successful content marketing campaign. It also has lots of great templates and downloads that you can use for free to start taking action on a lot of these. It has templates for a content marketing strategy, templates for a style guide, and even some good frameworks and documented processes for how to develop relationships with other influencers and how to collaborate with them or how to do keyword research or how to optimize your content for keywords. So there's lots of different ideas in there that you can use. And um, maybe if you're, if you're already a business owner and you're quite busy, you can use this as a training manual for your next content manager. And that's at thestoryengine.co. Thestoryengine.co? Dot C-O. And it has the the, the in there, right? Yes. Thestoryengine.co. Perfect. Awesome. Well, go check it out. I recommend it. I'm grateful to have written the forward for this book. And I think it's top notch and I've gotten to work with Kyle. His stuff is excellent. So get the book and then reach out to Kyle if you need some more hands-on help and and work with this. I can't stress it enough. I think getting this straight 
you know, getting a glide path of, of what your content looks like and, and what, who it serves and, and why it's there will, I just, I think, relieve so much stress and, and burden. At least that was my experience because I felt like I was writing for everybody. And then going through this process with you and using this book and using this as a guideline helped diffuse a lot of that and realize, no, it's actually pretty straightforward. These are the people who serve. This is how I serve them. This is the kind of content that, that's going to be useful for them. And to have that structure and that, that glide path, super useful. So check it out. Kyle, thank you so much for being on In the, in the Trenches. Thanks for having me, Tom. It was a big honor. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.